0: Good morning, everybody. I hope everybody's doing well this morning. It has been a great morning so far of worship. I want to invite you uh, and welcome those that are online this morning. Thank you for joining us. Uh, We have actually something amazing today. Uh, We're going to be talking about self-control. So what I did for you today is I asked the ushers to lock the door because there is no way that I can do this without God's grace, and there's no way for you guys to listen to this type of message without His grace. Amen. And so we are going through a series called All Things. And we're going through and breaking down second Peter one, three to eleven. and we have uh, we have gone to, whole lot of them. Now we're at self-control today. Uh, When I knew I was excited actually to bring this, and then I started asking God, God, you got to give me uh, the grace and the ability to bring this forward because I think ultimately it is the one quality trait that a lot of us miss. And because we miss it, we experience it all loss. Now, who would agree with me that every act, every decision, every choice or lack of it creates a chain reaction, amen? Chain reaction is like the concept of the domino effect. Once the domino starts, and it just affects all the others. It's a series of events, each caused by the previous one. And sometimes, because we so we are so tunnel vision in our lives, we don't understand that our choices and our decisions will affect, will bring a, a, uh, a chain reaction. And sometimes we don't see the reaction until years later when we fall and we're face to face with troubles in our family and troubles in our marriages. And if we were to look back at that chain reaction, we would actually start pinpointing these areas where we didn't actually apply self-discipline. We didn't, you know, we didn't restrain ourselves. We didn't put in or invest where we needed to invest. And, And then we wonder, what happened? Has that ever happened to you? What happened? And so today we're doing part six of all things. And I know that even in Paul's writing in Ephesians 5, he says this to us. This is what he says to us. Be very careful then how you live not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Are we not living in the days that are evil in a society that everything goes, and then we're seeing a lot of devastation in our ha- homes, the family, and our children, and so on and so forth. So he says here, he says, therefore, do not be foolish, But understand what the Lord's will is for you. Well, it's the Lord's will that we actually develop this quality trait of self-control. Now, Peter understood this. He understood the importance of making wise choices in regards to spiritual growth. We need to make wise choices. I I think back of, you know, many years ago where I needed to develop my habit of getting up every morning and putting God first and studying his word, and I thank the Lord for that habit that is so solidified, and it became solidified because I applied self-discipline and restraint, I said no to places, I said yes to certain things, and lo and behold, it became a habit that, for me, I could be around the world preaching in Geneva, I'm still getting up in the morning nothing really shakes that habit because it's formed and I never realized what self-control what I did many years ago the chain reaction is that today even though I go through a whole lot of things that habit keeps me it's my solid ground it's my anchor that moves me forward even in calamity even in troubles. And so self-control is a very vital part of our abilities to walk in a place of victory. 1 Peter 1.23, he says that he has given us an imperishable seed. He's talking about salvation. When we're born again, we are given an imperishable seed. That means we can't lose that salvation. But it does mean, though, as a seed form, we have to do things to make it grow. I.e., that's why he says make every effort to add to your faith to develop these qualities, these components. And even though and although that this new life is imperishable, it requires that we grow. And that's why just sitting down and doing nothing in our faith, really, truly, beloved, that a lot of times it's because we don't like to apply self-discipline. We don't like the self-control. Uh, and we are, as I said, in, in a society that's it, everything goes And you see, our sinfulness, our self-centeredness, will continue to rule if we let it, if we let it, unless the seed of that spiritual life gets nourished. It gets nourished by the word of God. We mature as we go in. And as we heard last week about knowledge, which I'm just going to break it down for you real quick. You see, Peter's list of qualities, they build on each other. And it's a chain reaction when you build that. You add faith, to you add virtue to your faith and knowledge and self-control and perseverance and goodness and all of these things that we're going to be talking about. There is a chain reaction that comes that we have a life of courage when we're faced with difficulties we become actually confident in what god is trying to teach us in our troubles and we become effective in the kingdom kingdom uh agenda like just bringing the kingdom forward you know this, this, the, the uh, qualities that we've studied so far is this. In 2 Peter 1, 5 to 7, he says, but also for this reason, giving all diligence. The word diligence is the pursuit of the Lord with all of your heart. Now, you know, again, I need you to understand we are people of grace here today, all right? Not under law, but the fact is that many of us have not pursued God with all of our heart. And it has to do with the self control thing. All right? So diligence is pursuing God with all of our heart. And then he says, add to that, to your faith virtue virtue means a sustaining joy of God pleasing life i want to finish off well as a believer i want to finish off this race even better than i started but in order to do that i have to understand that there's a chain reaction when i fail to bring discipline into my life and how do and i fail to restrain or or bring constraint into my life because everything goes scripture says you know everything is permitted but not everything is good. We live in in, in a society that everything's permitted, but not everything is good. And so he says, add to your virtue knowledge. Jonathan talked about knowledge. Knowledge is true knowledge begins with the yearning to know the Lord Jesus and to follow, to follow, to follow with all of your heart. We could know, but if we never follow, there's no intimacy. I mean, if I say, hey, let's go for coffee, and I keep on sending you lifelines and whatever else, but you never take it, we'll never get to know each other. We'll never get intimate. Our friendship will never grow. But so it's the same with the Lord. So today, we want to bring the quality of adding to the knowledge self-control. Now, self-control is a skill that brings all of your habits under the Holy Spirit's control. Now, for you and I who are born again, when we said yes to Jesus by faith and what he has done on the cross and the resurrection, not only are we forgiven of our sins, but we are given new life, new divine nature. And that Holy Spirit dwells in us, and now we have to learn to live with him. And the more that we live with him in his ways, the more that we experience freedom and deliverance in our life, in our in our everyday situations. So when we keep adding to our faith these qualities that we're studying, it brings about, as I said, a chain reaction, an end result. And he says that in verse 8 and 9, and this is the New Living Translation, and it says, the more you and I grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of Our Lord Jesus Christ. But those who fail to develop in this way are what? Short-sighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their old sins. There's a story I read about Draymond Green. He's a basketball star player. This guy was talented. He was so talented, he was actually a star player for that reason. His skill knew no bounds. But he had issues. He had very little self-discipline or self-control when it came to being on the court, even in his life. You see, what we saw is that his career was marred by emotional outbursts. This guy's a big guy. He had emotional outbursts. They gave him, he always got technical fouls. He trash-talked his team. He was known of yelling at the referees, arguing, kicking his opponents. My goodness, this is a grown man playing basketball. But Green met his match one day when he played with his two-year-old son, the toddler was trying to throw a small ball in the basketball, and in doing so became very frustrated and he started actually stomping around and mimicking his father's emotional outburst. Ouch! Green was stunned. He was stunned to see that what his son was doing was exactly what he was doing. And then at that moment, he had a light bulb moment. He, it floored him so much that he realized that he had to start bringing self-control to his temper, to his lack of, of control in regards to how he was responding to the people on his team. It was so dramatic, his change, that the reporters and the coach kept on saying, what in the world happened with this guy? to come back to the story that people started saying that because of his two-year-old son, he recognized that he was setting a pattern. He recognized that he needed to apply self-control. And so he started. He started to apply it and he developed a habit of actually self-disciplining himself when he was angry on the court. And not only did he do that on the court, he did that in his life and tremendous change came. See the apostle Paul for you for those that don't know him. He had issues with his tongue and his actions. He was quick. You know, it, and if you don't know the story, he the scriptures say that he was impulsive. Uh, who's not impulsive here today? Oh, good. All of you are really saying yes. That's good. Who's not headstrong here? Oh, Paul was, he squabbled with his teammates, he argued with the other disciples. One moment he was a great leader, the next moment he was like a 2-year-old. But you see, Peter met Jesus, and Jesus was able to do something marvelous in him. And by patience and gradually, what he did is he brought Peter to a newfound maturity and self-control. See, many of us, we can be in the Lord for many years, but it doesn't mean we're mature. Could it couldn't be that we never developed the self-control or the need of it. You see, as Peter was approaching the end of his life, as we know this book was written while he was in prison waiting to actually be uh, put to death. He understood that he wanted to give a message, a last message of encouragement to the believers around that area. Because in the society in that area, Paul knew this, Peter knew it, the society was sensual. There was no, no constraint, no restraint. or are saying, hey, you know, we live in a free society, let's do what we want to do. But what they said to them, he said, listen, if you don't build self-control, you will be so readily shaken and moved by what you are living. The society will define you and not the spirit. And so he gives the, 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 this, this um, encouragement to build the self-control in your life. Pastor Ren Frazier says this, self-control is not only about discipline to stop doing things that destroy us, but also about the discipline to do the things that build us, build us up. See, habits, applying self-discipline in our lives, that's all part of two things. It's about achieving our goals. There are many things in our lives that we want to achieve, but we don't understand. We cannot achieve long-term or or, or short-term goals if we sit passively. There are certain things we have to bring into our life, especially in our spiritual life. If I had not done that several years ago and started actually waking up and saying no to my flesh when my flesh wanted to sleep another hour, I had two small kids, I didn't want to get up. But I knew that I wasn't growing, I wasn't maturing, I knew I wasn't reflecting God. A lot of the things that I was doing was actually proving that I did not know how to self-discipline. I didn't do the restraint well, and I was tired I wanted God to come and move and reflect his life through me. And so as I started building this, I started recognizing something started changing in me. See, there's always there's always a reason why we want to apply self-control. One is to actually uh, achieve our goals, and secondly is to glorify God. There's always, like, as I said, that chain reaction when we don't bring self-control. It isn't just about the today, it's about the bigger picture. For uh, Draymond Green, if he would have continued, the bigger picture his son would have followed in his footsteps. And he would have been uncontrollable, uncontrolled in all areas of his life and really would have brought tremendous chaos in everything that he touched. And so it's about everyday decisions. See, several years ago, I found myself at the hospital with high blood pressure, heart issues, and I was overweight. As I look back, I saw how progressively I put aside a lot of the habits due to self-control that I had created in my life. And little by little, in about two and a half year period, I stopped being consistent about going to the gym. I stopped eating during the day and just eating one meal a day and then eating my chips galore after sex. I started doing a whole lot of things that didn't prove to be self-discipline, or any restraint, I just continue doing it even though that I sense the Holy Spirit telling me, stop what you're doing. There is a chain reaction in all of the choices that you are making. You see, we don't think anybody, well, you know, it doesn't affect you if I'm eating chips at 8 o'clock at night, but you know what happens? If I die, it's going to affect you. Well, not all of you, but <laughs> I'm hoping it will. But so I started realizing I stopped many of the habits that I had already formed. And I stopped developing this self control in my life, in eating well, and going to the gym. And I started, it started actually having a reaction. I was blinded by the burdens of life at this particular moment in my life, and what I did is I started exhibiting other things in my life as well. I read a quote that said, when we don't don't exhibit self-control, if we continually do the same thing, it will enslave us. Well, all of the choices I was making of not shutting down my flesh, saying no to doing things that I knew as a nurse should get changed, then I would continue experiencing that reaction. And then I had a, a aha ha moment. I recognized that first and foremost, I needed to adjust my thoughts. I wanted to finish off well, but at this pro- if I were to play that movie, I knew that I wasn't going to. Doesn't take a rocket science to figure it out. I adjusted my thoughts and made up my mind, made sure that my mind was an ally with the battle of self-control. I started to set goals and applied self-discipline and practiced better my habits that I already knew before. Now, think about what this is. It's, think about it as a trade-off. You see, you deny yourself an immediate indulgence in order to accomplish a higher level and a longer-term goal. So at that particular moment, I recognized that my body was pre- betraying me, but I had created a whole lot of that because I stopped applying self-control in my life. What happened is that I started denying these indulgences that had, had me going for the last two and a half years. I started understanding that I needed to say no in some places and yes in the, in the other. See, self control invites us to actually um, to say enough when our flesh says, I want more. Self control invites us to say, I won't when I feel that I want to say, I will. Self-control helps us to tamper down and control our thoughts, our speech, our, the way that we walk, because we know that in one day or another, there is always a reaction to our choices and our decisions. See, by the grace of God, I started listening and obeying the promptings of the Holy Spirit, turning away little by little, one step at a time. It wasn't all of the areas that God was asking me. He was asking me in my lifestyle of eating and getting back into shape. Well, it happened. Six months later, the doctor said, you're free, you are healthy. Well, I had lost 28 pounds at this point. I had stopped eating salt and changed my lifestyle completely because I recognized if I wanted to finish off well for my Lord. I needed to beat this body into motion. I understood that the pain and everything that I knew genetically was going to happen because I have arthritis. I realized that I needed to apply self-control in these areas. Nobody else was going to do it. You weren't going to wake up in the morning to go to the gym. Were you for me? Would you do it? no and so i needed to do it myself so god has given me all things that's what he says he's given me his great power he's given me his great promises he's given me that the partaking of a new nature and you know self-control what is the fruit whose fruit is it so in those years, beloved, I wanted to do what I wanted to do when I wanted to do it, but that reaction left me an effect. Physically, I needed to start saying yes to the Holy Spirit because he had been showing me, tamper, tamper yourself, bring restriction. Self-discipline yourself in this area, and I will bring you through. I will show you how to do it, and little bit by little, that's what he did. See, self-control is a make-or-break discipline. Discipline. It's the difference between success and failure in living a godly and victorious life. Many of us are not living victorious life. And now, instead of really seeing how much we've given weight to our flesh, we do what we want to want to do when we want to, and not understanding that you're saying no to the Holy Spirit over and over again. What was the Holy Spirit sent to do? To transform us. So I realize, he says here, it's between the difference between success and failure and living a godly and victorious life is the ability to control oneself. It involves moderation, constraint, and the ability to say no to our fleshly lust and no for instant gratification. Listen, the message of the society is totally against what the scripture says. But look at our society today. Control is not a bad thing. Self-control is not bad. It's actually, it's what actually brings success in our life. So what habits right now, as I'm speaking to you, what habits that you used to do you don't do anymore? What are the things that God had showed you and you were good for a few weeks and all of a sudden, whoops, it's out the window? Where do you need self-control the most? Your language? Your tongue? Your time management? Daily devotions, your work habits, your budget, budget, your entertainment or viewing patterns. You see, God is speaking to you already. I'm only confirming what God is going after. You've been crying out to God, God, I want more of you. God said, put a stop to this. Oh, God, I want to be free. He says, turn away from the flesh. Oh, God, how come you're not answering my prayer? I did. One of Peter's problems, by the way, was his tongue, as I said. He often spoke without thinking. But look at what God had done with him. As God taught him to use self-discipline and to control his his lust to, you know, pounce and to be impulsive, Peter's words became so powerful that today we are studying them 2,000 years later. That's why self-control needs to be a priority in our life. That's why I told the ushers, lock the door. (laughs) They lock the door, yeah, because they need to hear this. Many of us are, are not victorious because of this issue. Nobody really likes to hear about disciplining their flesh, but it's a huge key to living a life of balance. People who let their flesh do whatever feels good end up slaves to whatever they actually bow down to. As I did for those two and a half years. But let me tell you, when I recognized that God was saying enough, and I want you, he knew my longing. He knew my longing to glorify him, to reflect his power to others. Because people are watching my life. They're watching yours. And I realized that my self, my lack of restraint in my life was actually sending a message. And I wanted to change. Oh, just, I'm going to tell you something. But later. And so (laughs) I'm getting excited because it's getting to the nugget. You're going to get to the nugget of why I know you can walk this place, walk out of here, understanding God had a plan for you all along. You see, when we get born again, our spirits are made new and we are given the divine nature. But our spirit is our flesh isn't. Our flesh is never going to want to obey God. So if you're feeling, saying, oh, God, when I feel to go to church, I'll go to church. (laughs) When I feel to read my word, I'll read it. When I feel to love others, I'll do it. Beloved, you're already on the wrong path because your flesh cannot do it. Let me prove it to you. Galatians 5.17 says this. For the desires of the flesh are against what? The spirit. The spirit. And the desire of the spirit are against the flesh, for those are opposite to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. The flesh will be opposite to the longings that God has put in your heart. Matthew 26, uh, 14 says, the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is Weak. Romans 7:18 says, I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. Oh, this is where we get stuck. Let me show you the rest of the story. First Corinthians 9:27 says this about what we need to do with our flesh. I discipline my flesh like an athlete training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. Because I wanted to finish off well, I realize that I can be disqualified if I don't develop self-control, if I don't bring in new habits to help me for the future. If I don't self-discipline at this particular moment, then For me, it will affect me in the long run, but not only me, but those that I love. Dr. Tony Evans says this, only one passion in your life is worth your total commitment and pursuit, loving Christ and serving him. Don't disqualify yourself for the prize by quitting the race. Some of you are feeling, or maybe you have in the last two and a half years, you've just quit the race. You just can't do it. Or running in the wrong direction when you go to your flesh in order to break a pattern in your life. Or breaking the rules. Run to win, he says. All throughout the Bible, we see the chain reaction of defeat and losses with people who didn't see their need to develop self-control. Or self-discipline or restraint. You see, Adam and Eve, they sinned in the garden because they yielded to the devil's temptation. We have to get ourselves of these tight spots, beloved. Some of us, we put ourselves in places we should not. Cain killed his brother Abel because he couldn't control his temper. Samson couldn't control his passion. Moses couldn't control his, um, his temper, but Samson was his passions. King David's his greatest failure was his lack of control. When it comes to lusting after a woman, that wasn't even his. Behind each of these problems lies always a lack of self-control. Even Jesus brings this to the table. He says this in Matthew 16, 24 and 26. If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For what profit is a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Even Paul stressed the same thing about the importance of developing these qualities that build onto another. And he says, Romans 13, 13, he says this, Let us walk properly, as in the day, not in rivalry or drunkenness, not in strife or envy. Make no, let's say it together, make no provision for the flesh, to fulfill its lust. You see that tug that wants me to, when I'm watching a show with my kids and I want to watch 10,000 episodes? Okay, thank you. Come on, who am I talking to here? You know, when after the seventh episode, (laughs) the Spirit says, it's enough. You see, but the flesh, it keeps wanting to do what it wants to do. Now it's time for us to say, it's enough, and walk away. When you are before, you know, a purchase, and you know you made a budget, your flesh says, yeah, you know, I think we can work it out. But the Spirit says, Stick to the budget. You see what I'm saying? We are confronted with all of these choices every day. And so here, just like us, these Christians that Paul and Peter were talking about, they're living in an unrestrained, sensual society that magnifies sinfulness and encourages every desire to be entertained. They needed to evaluate their choices as I and you need to evaluate your choices. And we need to evaluate them according to the will of God. Oh, I know that in a lot of my areas, I've developed self-restraint and self-discipline. And I see the benefits of it. But I have other areas that God is coming after. You see, it's a process of time taking one step at a time and knowing that God wants to deepen my ability to mature and to actually have better habits so when trouble comes, I'm, I'm already ready for it. Dr. Jeremiah says this, true freedom is impossible without constraints. This may seem like a paradox, but when we abandon self-control and follow our cravings, what appears to be freedom becomes a form of servitude. We become slaves to our appetites. How many of us have been caught in that cycle? Way too many of us. He continues, and he says this. Like a hunting dog distracted by a squirrel, we chase enticing distractions that prove no more meaningful than the scratching of an itch. Once we establish the pattern of having these itches scratched, the itch becomes more and more. You know what I'm talking about. When we give in to our flesh, it becomes more and more. Soon that pleasurable experience traps us into the repeating the same act, over and over and over again. We feel less pleasure each time, but we feel as though we lack the power to stop. Am I talking to anybody today? See, self-control means imposing limitations so you can focus on your goal. One of my biggest goals is to finish, finish off well and reflect his glory to others. I want People to see Jesus in me. And so I need to bring I need to bring limitations. I need to set goals. Limitations don't bring confinement because that's what the, the, the world says. Oh, if you you know, that's what God thinks is, it's just to limit you. It just robs you of your freedom. How is that working for you when we keep on saying no to God? it it, it just brings more bondage. See, confinement brings freedom. You see, my son Daniel, as a teenager, and you'll probably probably get it. Uh, you know, for years he would say, "Oh, I can't wait to leave this house. Oh, I can't wait to be free." And I go, "Yeah, yeah, Dan, Dan." But see, Dan had no self-discipline and he had no self-restraint. I mean, everything went for him, and he was always in trouble. I mean, we gave him boundaries. He broke the boundary. He was in trouble. Why, why is it you're always disciplining me and you're never disciplining him? That's my son, Jonathan. Jonathan just, well, he just didn't want to break the, the rule. But Daniel, because he had no self-discipline and he had no restraint, he broke rules everywhere. So there was a whole bunch of consequences. And so when it was the time when it was ready to go to college, he went, Good. I'm going to do whatever I want to do, and now you will not be able to stop me. And I went, okay, son, I'll be praying for you. The fact is, he came back to us a little less than three years, totally in bondage to drugs, fear, and panic attacks. You tell me what what type of freedom he received. You see, Daniel had self-control in his habits when it came to school, but in his life, he had none. And he didn't understand that the lack of it would open up a whole lot of doors and bring him back into a place of defeat and loss. Guess how we actually helped him out? We actually trained him in self-control. Little by little, we showed him what self-discipline it was. And he would buck, no, you're getting up at 8.30. You're not sleeping until 3. Do you understand what I'm saying? What got my son out of his bondage was this. And he wasn't saved at that point. But the benefits of biblical principles are still true. And so we taught him self-control. We taught him to do say no. And little by little, he went back to the gym. Little by little, he got a job and he started being, you know, he, had, he was accomplishing his short-term goal. He was paying off his debt. He was living again. That's what self-control does. It demands a strategy, beloved. You can't sit around waiting to become more self-control. You have to have a plan. You have to work towards it, and you need to fight it. Right now, I have my precious Chrissy who goes to the gym with me at 6 o'clock in the morning, which we are going to be bringing that to 530. It takes a whole lot of self-discipline not to want to sleep longer. But you see, my goal is to stay true to what God has called me to do, and I know I cannot do this without this body. I'm getting old, beloved. And I'm understanding that God is asking me to change the way I do life so I can be more effective and more mature as the days come. So I thank the Lord that he's brought me people to keep me accountable. Amen? Thank you for the people in our lives because they do keep us accountable if we listen to their voice. When I was faced with these areas in my life, and still are, that have no self-control, there's no evidence of it, I start praying and meditating on those great promises and the great power that God has given me through Christ. I plan, I seek, I surrender, and I get up and do it again. I plan, I seek, I surrender. I have all things for life. And godliness. This is what, uh, what the scripture tells us. And I need to identify myself with the love of God. You see, I'm not doing all of that to receive his love or acceptance. I already am loved and accepted. I do it because I experience my desire to want to be all for him. And so now I know that I want the power and the authority, but it's all in Christ. Galatians 5 6 says this Walk in the spirit, and you shall not fulfilled the lust of the flesh listen it's one step at a time that flesh gets pretty powerful let me tell you and it was one step one decision at a time the Holy Spirit is the key see the last characteristics in Galatians 5 22 23 the last characteristic of the fruit of the spirit is self control the fruit of the spirit is is the change in our character that comes about because he works in us We do not become a Christian on our own. We don't grow on our own neither. Philippians 2.13 says, It is God who is at work in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. But if I am resisting the path that God has before me over and over again, you will find the chain reaction in your life. You will be blinded, short-sighted, barren, and unfruitful. Not because God has changed his mind, but I'm in Christ and everything is there for me. But if I keep on saying no, no, no to the Spirit and yet, Yes, yes, yes to the flesh. It will always breathe the same thing, death. Every good thing we do is from the the Spirit's work in us. Self-control is a gift that's free to us. It frees us to enjoy the benefits of a healthy body. It frees us to rest in the security of a, a good stewardship. Many times we don't manage our life well, do we? But when we apply this, we bring good stewardship into play. It frees us from a guilty conscience. Self control restricts the indulgence of the foolish desires, and we find the liberty to love and to serve the King that we are so proclaiming every day. Randy Freeze says this yielding to the love and grace and presence of Christ in us is the only way we can be victorious. The truth of Christ's commitment and deep love applies to all of us here today who are saved. Self-control is really spirit control. So, one of the proofs, and I'm coming to an end, one of the proofs of God's working in our lives is the ability to control our thoughts, our words, and our actions. You see, Galatians 5.25 is the key. It says this, and it's all about a choice. If we live in a spirit. Let us also walk in the spirit. If I am faithful to overcome when I am tempted to sin, step by step I can develop when I, I can develop to say no to the flesh. Step by step I can continue to follow faithfully Jesus and His way to overcome that sin in my life, to overcome that, that, that difficulty in my life then when these godly characters get formed in me, which are pure and perfect, it can be actually God creates something in me and creates something that actually other people see and want as well. But God works through us through the Holy Spirit, beloved. That's why we have to be dominated by him. We have to be governed by him. It's a choice to live in a spirit. Many of God's people, I think, that's what was really a reflection of the, the the pandemic, is that we found ourselves so consumed with our flesh life that when the pandemic came, we didn't have any good habits, beloved. We struggled, we struggled because we didn't develop these characters, and that's why you know Galatians five thirteen, <coughs> wonderful scripture. If you only remember this one, that is good. My brothers and sisters, he's talking to believers. God called you to be defeated, enslaved, in bondage. No, free. And the only reason that if we're in Christ today and we find ourselves enslaved by our fleshly patterns, it is because that area, the spirit is not given right to rule. So when I see areas in my life, I don't go to my failure or my mistake. I go straight to God, help me to willfully choose you. Help me to break this pattern and that I start bringing in self-discipline and new habits into play. And he says here, God called you to be free, but to not use your freedom as an excuse to do what pleases your sinful flesh. Serve each other with love. Being self control is the very foundation of living a life of righteousness and selflessness that reflects Jesus and brings him glory. We all have all things in God this morning. We have the fruit of the Spirit, which is self-control. And if you don't have self-control in those areas, because the Spirit is not leading you in that area. It's as simple as that. And so what are you going to do about it? I want the worship team to come up. You see, applying self-control in those areas that God is showing you while you are sitting here listening to me, God is showing in an area that you know that you keep on producing, and you keep on going back. It could be a default, it could be attitude, it could be thoughts, it could be actions that you know don't reflect God. It could be a lack of areas where you cannot say no to it. And and it's it's a repeated thing. You just don't have the the energy or the ability to say no to it. God says, just bring me in. Bring me in one thing at a time. And if you mess up, don't give up. If you mess up, don't give up. Learning to self-control is a process. You won't master it all at once. Tell yourself, I'm never going to give up. Some of us have given up, beloved. We have given up on the family of God. We have given up on reading our words. We're giving up on praying. We're giving up on keeping each other accountable, loving God and loving others. We have given up. We need to give time to master these things and give God the the ability to come and bring grace in these areas. And that's why I want to finish with Proverbs 24, 16. And he says, the godly man trips seven times. We can maybe say 77 times here today. But they will get up again. Why? Because of the power of the Holy Spirit in us. But one disaster is enough to overthrow the wicked. The reason why we don't get up, beloved, is that we stop persevering. That's the next component in a few weeks that we're going to be learning. Perseverance is about navigating through disappointments and discouragement without giving up. (coughs) How many of us? has stopped navigating well in life. We've given up, we've checked out, and we stopped cultivating. And now we're left with the chain reaction of the flesh choices. Mm-hmm. God says, don't give up. I've given you all things. I'm gonna cover you, you come to me, and I will change and move upon you. I know this to be true. I am a testimony of that power, but I have to willfully decide to let him lead. It does not come natural. It gets better, but it doesn't come natural. I want you to stand. And as we sing this song today, I'm wondering if you want to do Waymaker instead. Waymaker? Yes, please. We're going to sing that last song we did in worship. You need to understand that the Holy Spirit is here. And if you're a believer, not only is he here, he dwells in you. And now he wants to teach you how to live with him. See, this is what we don't get. That's the gap. That's the the missing part in our ability to walk victoriously is that we know he dwells, but we don't know how to live with him. That takes lordship. That takes intimacy. That takes us saying yes to his promptings. Has it been prompting you today? Has he been reminding you of these things? You know, never does he expose to punish. He exposes to bring freedom. So if he's exposed attitudes, characters, and a lack of restraint in your life when it comes to finances and and whatever else, remind you that if you're a child of God, all is on your side. God wants you to experience freedom and victory today, but you have to say yes to the right things. You want to be free from your bitterness, your anger, and your tongue. You want to be free from all of the things that you've been experiencing you can't break from. Then God says, you say yes to me, and I will bring you power and authority to break this pattern. But trust me when I tell you there's nothing instant about that process. But I'm loving the process. Because it's in the process that I get to see how great God loves me. Because, you know, I deserve wrath every day, and he doesn't give it to me. He gives me love. He gives me forgiveness. He gives me compassion. We need to understand that. As we sing this song, you guys want prayer? You want to make that step a will decision? God, here's this area in my life. I'm bringing it out. I'm busting out. I'm not staying silent today. Let me pray for you tonight. Let me pray over these areas. You want to be encouraged today. Let me pray for you. Let the brothers pray for you today. Let the sisters pray over you today. You are not alone. God gave you a family so that you can walk this out with other people. Amen? (laughs) Through the Holy Spirit, we will move forward, beloved. That I trust. It's what I pray for, for all of you. And may I just, I just want to pray just a blessing over your life and over this day and that God would remind you who you are and who is over you. He's the Ancient of Days, the Great I Am. He is able. Let him do it, and you will see marvelous transformation happen. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for uh, just uh, just your children today. Lord, I thank you, God, that you have given them the ability to say yes to the Spirit today by coming and hearing a word from you, God, I thank you, Lord, that not only did they sit and listen, but I know they heard. And, Lord, I'm asking, God, that you would give them the strength and the power to move in the following stage now, in the obedience stage, God. Only you could do this, Lord, but you are asking us to take the step. And, Lord, I'm asking for the blessing of your presence and the blessing of breakthrough. And I pray all of this in Jesus' name. I want to thank you for coming out today. May God bless you and may he keep you. And may we see you next week. Amen. Amen. Take care.